Once upon a time, there were millions of businesses struggling. Every day they wasted time, effort, and money on repetitive tasks that added no value. One day, the Better Automation podcast by Processio came to help them find the way. Because of this, these businesses save time, reduce costs, innovate, and make better decisions. Because of that, these businesses grow, scale, and use human creativity to change this world. Hello, my name is Aziz, and I'm your host at Better Automation Podcast by Processio, where I interview the world's top experts and share their very best ideas on how to improve automation in your business, processes, and life. My guest today is Ian Barkin. Ian is an entrepreneur, founder, investor, LinkedIn learning instructor, and speaker on all things future of work. His LinkedIn learning classes have been seen by 200,000 digital citizens, and his book, Intelligent Automation, has helped introduce people worldwide to the concept of automation for gain and automation for good. Ian, how are you today? Aziz, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's my honor. It's my privilege. And I'm really curious about what's going on on your mind these days, because I'm sure it's something fascinating. Is there an insight that you're thinking about a lot? Is there a problem that you're seeing a solution for or a question you keep on hearing again and again that you have some interesting answers for? You've set the expectations way too high that you're sure it's going to be fascinating. Let's see. Let's see if you, if, if you think it's fascinating. I, I will tell you what I'm fascinated about. Um, and, and you mentioned I've had the, the good luck and fortune of being in the right place at the right time for several different waves of technology um, introduction and then impact on, on the way we do things. Uh, I first uh, found that in the ERP space and then in the Internet of Things space and then most recently in the robotic process automation and intelligent automation space um, starting about 10 years ago. And it was it was fun because it was it was raw, it was exciting, the impact, the promise of impact was high. And so we used to always talk about how robots could truly help transform enterprises. They could be that catalyst for digital transformation. The challenge was, and I saw this often when I was talking to like the media, uh, a lot of journalists would ask me one of two questions. They would ask me about the potential of AI and usually alluding to like general AI, just magic, it can do anything. Um, but the second most prevalent question they always asked was about the impact on us. Were our jobs doomed? Would we have a sort of dystopian future in which there was no more work left for people because the robots were doing all the work? What's so fascinating is as a result of several different dynamics, COVID certainly being one of them, um, and an unleashing of of ability to work virtually um, all over the planet, we've now run into a situation where the problem is not, in fact, there aren't enough jobs for the people, but 180 degree difference, there are not enough people for the jobs. We are now in a heavy narrative that's impacting all growth of there aren't enough people for the jobs. And 
there are lots of different types of jobs. There are jobs like food service and home health care, those sorts of jobs aren't enough people for them. And some of it can be attached to, uh, you know, incentives and, and, um, and pay uh, that was happening during COVID uh, for good reasons to, to help people survive. But then the other angle is also the white collar sort of the white collar jobs, the services jobs, the jobs of the future. Um, there aren't enough people with the digital talent to play a role in that digital transformation. And so, and I'll wrap up because I know I'm going on long with this point, but ultimately we've all been so excited about the huge impact digital transformation is going to have on enterprises all over the world. The only problem is we don't have enough folks to make it happen. And, and that really falls on our understanding of the skills that they need, our investment in the trainings necessary to upskill everybody, whether you're a kid coming out of university or you're, you know, 30 years in the workforce, we're just not giving people the right skills to contribute to the potential impact digital transformation can have. And that's why all of the narratives now are that like 75% of digital transformations fail. Um, it's not because we don't have enough robots. It's because we don't have enough people. And that's my answer. I love this. I really, really believe in this. And I have so many questions, but I'll be begin with a with a very basic one that I'm sure if someone is hearing this for the very first time, they will think as all humans do first, WIIFM or what's in it for me. So let's say, okay, there are not enough people to do digital transformation. How or what do I need to do to upskill myself so that I'm one of the people who will be in demand in need for the long term as someone who can contribute and be part of this digital transformation? Great question. Um, and again, it's, it's inherent on companies, employers, universities, any educational system to also contribute and say, you know, what do we need to do? But you're absolutely right. What's in it for me is an important, um, important dynamic and force here. So there's a few different things. One, and actually, yeah, there are a few different things. One is those individuals have access to more open source education than has ever existed in the history of humanity on this planet, right? There are more open source courses, whether it be Coursera or Udemy or YouTube or uh, one of my favorites, LinkedIn Learning. Um, I've got two courses on LinkedIn. Actually, uh, by later today, I can officially say that I have three courses on LinkedIn Learning because one of my courses is going live today uh, on intelligent automation, an introduction to intelligent automation. And it's, you know, it's basic high level, but that's the important first step is to create the sort of the very basic awareness of what's the spectrum of automation technologies and capabilities that fall within that intelligent automation umbrella. So you, you owe it to yourself to, to, to check out those courses. Some of them are really light, really short, really easy, but, but create that initial lens through which you look at the rest of, of your job and the world. Um, so you need to do that. Uh, this isn't to say that everyone should be a coder. You don't all need to rush out and learn Python tomorrow. Uh, because the other nice thing that's happening is there's, there's a dynamic working in your favor that's coming to meet you halfway. So if you understand the structure and the concepts of digital, you understand some of the basic logic of how 
um, digital will have an impact on the way that you do your work and your enterprise does its work. There is a movement uh, supporting these digital citizens around low and no code software. Um, you know, companies like Processio, actually, um, where the tech, the technology is coming to meet you where you are. So you don't need to know Python. You just need to understand the problem you're trying to solve. And there are more easily usable sort of visual drag and drop tools um, that have, heavily rely on APIs, like connectors that exist, so you don't have to make them yourself sort of thing. Uh, and so, so I guess what I'm saying is in the what's in it for me, build that basic awareness, continue to follow the path as it relates to the things you already know. Like you know your processes. If you're an accountant, you know finance. If you are an HR, you understand hiring, um, payroll, retirement, benefits. So those are harder to learn. So, so figure out how this new digital awareness matches to your core strengths and in your, in your career skills. Um, and then play a role being a champion within your own enterprise, help them be aware of this as well, because then it makes you an innovator, you a change agent, um, which is a set of skills that are highly in demand. So I'm assuming at that point, then you become a great deal more valuable, both to your current institution and to any place else you want to go to. Remember, not enough people. So the job market is really tight. So those, there's going to be con continued movement. Um, so it's, it's a great way to, to increase your salary, increase your opportunities, increase your responsibilities as well. I love this. And we will go deep, I decided, because we're dealing with human beings and there is something called the status quo bias, which is this pendulum between the fear of success and the failure, a fear of failure, where people have an imposter syndrome where they think, oh, wow, yes, um, I'm dealing with what is familiar. I know what's going on. But what if I'm not good enough to learn those skills? What if I learn those skills and then I succeed? more than I can handle and therefore people come to me for answers and I don't have the answers. What if I fail? How to deal with failure? I know it's a lot that uh, humans are have this convoluted psychology inside. So let's say, okay, I'm a normal human being and I remember uh, one of the, my be the best books I read is uh, Why Therapy Works, which is an analysis, I think, by an Italian uh, psychologist of why therapy works. And his first point was that low self-esteem is the initial state of all human beings. So dealing with facts that they are, let's say someone understands, yes, I see the logic. Yes, people, if I develop these skills, I will be in demand. But what if I'm not good enough? What if I have an imposter syndrome? What if I will fail? How can I deal with that failure? How can you tell someone something that will motivate them in a way either to understand that be humble and be vulnerable and let people know your limitations or uh, take risks, uh, risks and fail because actually failure is learning and you're an educator and that's how you learn or whatever you might say. How can you encourage people so that psychologically we are also giving them that engine for them to move forward? That is a huge question and one I've never been asked. Um, so I do think so imposter syndrome is everybody has it. If they don't, then there's something wrong with them. Um, <laughs> there's, then they're too confident. 
Um, and I think that low self-esteem, it's sort of funny. I used to be a, con- I mean, I, I still am, I suppose, a consultant in some extent, um, to some extent, but the, the, um, we used to always talk about how in, in top consultancies, the, the low self-esteem was one of the things you were recruiting for because those people would bust their butts and work nonstop and create great work just to continue to prove themselves. They were always doing that. So low self-esteem is a, a great starting point. Um, what would I say to folks? I guess throughout my career, the times I've learned the most, the lessons that have sat with me uh, and had the biggest impact were the were the times where things didn't work, the times where things were harder, the times where I failed. Um, I probably don't remember when I've succeeded. If I succeeded, I sort of you know you sort of move on and you just keep going. If you fail, it really sort of hits you in the face and you sit there and go, what what just happened to me? And that's when you reflect and learn. So it's one of the greatest things you can do. It's it's not be it's not like don't be afraid of failure. It's like seek it out, right? Because 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 it will teach you more than anything else that you do. And how costly is it? I mean, we're not talking about sort of life and death here. We're talking about tinkering with tools and deciding whether or not you're comfortable with them. We're talking about trying to innovate and be a uh, sort of a change agent within within your um, within your realm of and sphere of influence. Awesome. That just makes things more fun. Right? If somebody sees you as disruptive and that you are breaking things, you're probably at the wrong place or they're in the wrong role because they will not be, um, they will not be at the helm of whatever organization or role or team they're running for very much longer because digital transformation is about disruption. Disruption is about trying new things, and trying new things is always about learning through bumps, bruises, scars, hiccups, and mistakes. So the future of work is predicated on you being comfortable trying new things. It is built upon a mountain of lessons learned the hard way. And so, you know, why not be part of that journey? It sounds a hell of a lot more fun than just sort of doing what, you, what you're doing and continuing doing it. I mean, it might be great, but like, why not try new stuff? I agree. And I will say to those who feel the imposter syndrome, well, look around. Everybody around you is thinking and feeling the same. And maybe they're better at hiding it as well as what you spoke about, the future of work. You should seek failure. And what I mean is, if you're not failing half the time to 80%, if we'll think in the Pareto principle, or even better, 95%, where 5% become unicorn results and 95% are so-so or negative, then you're not really doing things correctly. That failure is the way, or the obstacle is the way, or whatever we think about it. And I have this other question. I spoke to one scientist who is specializes in AI about singularity and what he said specifically AI will never be smarter than human beings it's not designed that way it's very dumb it's just based on algorithms that we don't really know what's in the box but it's really really dumb and the only thing that will happen that we can call singularity is that we're moving towards a pace of reinvention required that is so fast that at some point you'll need to reinvent your business and adapt it every minute or so 
And therefore, you need those skills of digital transformation because you'll be constantly needing to transform and adapt to the marketplace where you need reporting that is almost instant and almost instant feedback in order to stay in the game. What's your perspective on this? Uh, if you speak to an expert in AI, they let you in on a little secret that AI is math. Um, if you speak to uh, other people, futurists and salespeople and others, um, AI is magic. Uh, but AI isn't consciousness. It isn't sentience. It isn't, it, AI is math. And, and the problem is, by pitching it as any more than that, you set up a, 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 a set of expectations that um, ensure disappointment and failure. Right? Where is IBM Watson today? It did a tremendous job of promoting itself and getting people excited about a concept, but it also set expectations uh, irresponsibly high. And so enterprises didn't go into the journey with the right mindset and the right equipment and the right team. And so the result was, was often disappointing. Um, if it's about understanding your business is complex, your data might not be big enough to be big. So we need to figure out how to clean it and make it useful with the math that we have available today. And then we need to learn from it and iterate with it. It's not gonna just iterate our business model by itself. Um, it's very much a human plus augmentation, automation story. Uh, and that's where success is going to come in the in the future generations of business. I, I, I hope we're never in a situation where business models are changing every minute because that sounds exhausting. I, if that's the case, then I'm I'm out. I'm going to go binge watch Netflix for the rest of my life. Um, but but I, I do hope that with that higher level of digital awareness and quotient within enterprises, a greater comfort of working side by side with more useful algorithms that are that are um, shining a light on information that might have just been noisy or dirty or, or hard to access in the past, we become far more adept at addressing the actual point and purpose of any endeavor we do, which is to create greater impact, create greater experience for customers, employees, citizens, patients, etc. Because uh, that's the purpose. And then ultimately, obviously, by doing so, hopefully you create uh, a more successful machine that that reaps the rewards in the form of profit. That's got to be a thing. But um, that's the future of work is is colleagues, algorithm and human um, collaborating, learning, iterating and creating great uh, outcomes together. Thank you. And if I heard you correctly, I heard two, three things, actually three. The third is profit, but the two things are, look, within the way that people are interacting with your business, with your organization, with your government or whatever it is, they are showing you or there are data, whether it's human behavior or body language or actual math that tells you what they like, what they don't like what is adding value to their lives, what is not adding value. So rather than living based on assumptions and deciding based on assumptions, you take, you have machine learning or whatever it is that is much more powerful than the human mind to pinpoint exactly, look, this is what people love, streamline your operation to give them what they love rather than anything that is wasted that you assume is necessary, but 
is either a distraction or absolutely useless. And the second thing, to view AI and all this new technology, not as a replacement for human beings, but almost like a cyborg or whatever, where your arm becomes stronger because of a suit that you're wearing so you can lift more or the transformation from going from paper and pen to laptop and the internet or whatever, it didn't replace humans. It just created the possibility for much, much bigger impact, productivity and efficiency. And therefore, it's not necessary to be afraid at all or needed or even something that is rational to be afraid of it, but to understand actually it empowers humans and therefore the skill to know how to use these technologies so that you can leverage and multiply yourself in many ways. That's what is needed and therefore you should not only have the old skills that is doing what you do, but the skill of knowing how to use this technology so that you can multiply what you do to levels that could be almost infinite. Did I understand correctly? Yeah, I mean, it's always rational to fear new and different and change that's biologically embedded in us. But but as you said, the the impact is, is via magnification. And everyone, everyone knows what could be done if they had more hours in the day. And this gives you those more hours in the day. And this allows you to really harness, especially in, in sort of enterprises and process areas, uh, it gives you the ability to harness your process understanding, your, your customer centricity, your strategic mind to, to make better happen. Thank you. And I love you mentioned how fear is rational. So this, if I put myself or we put your, ourselves into the shoes of a decision maker who wants to implement some digital transformation projects and they're brave enough to not think they will fail, they will directly think, my people will be too afraid. My people will resign, revolt, whatever it is. And it's actually a big factor that maybe some people don't look into that if you're changing the processes of how things have been done, that requires the brain to readapt and use a lot more energy, which it resists. It likes habits and pathways that are already well-worn and well-used rather than pioneering um, paths that have not been crossed before. So how to create that change while reducing either the fear, the resistance, or the unpleasantness of change for employees who might not have that uh, owner or entrepreneur mentality of going through uncertainty and taking the risk. They prefer safety, predictability, and uh, that the past continues into the future. It's fine to want that. You just have no control over the laws of physics and the direction of travel, right? So you get to decide whether you either have a unique and long-standing business model that allows you to survive in an environment that's changing all around you, um, or you change with it or faster than it. So the choice is yours. Thank you. That sounded very dire, but ultimately, if you don't change, you die, right? In, in, in this environment where things are changing as fast as they are, there's only, there's only so long you can stand... Um, stay where you are. I mean, look at anything. If fintech is taking on banks, medtech's taking on traditional ways of, of discovering drugs, uh, you know, the, the automation obviously is impacting every way that we do everything internally, operationally, and um, externally through channels with our customers and, and partners, et cetera. So 
you either you either get on that train or it runs you over. I agree 100%. It's no longer a choice. It's a requirement right now to adapt and to do what we're talking about. And since you're the expert on intelligent automation as well as the future of work, can you explain to people what's the difference between automation or dumb automation and intelligent automation as well as can you speak about your course coming today and i'll make sure to write the link in the description for anybody who wants more so that they can participate take part in it learn and evolve perfect sure yeah i mean i don't think anything is dumb it's just more structured it's scripted right so robotic process automation i always i would explain is it's not dumb it's just well behaved it does what it is that you teach it to do. Um, intelligent automation opened that that sort of the spectrum, the aperture opened up, and so intelligent automation as as a um, as a category includes more of what we would interpret as the cognitive tools, and that's with a lot of machine learning, more of that math that we spoke about, um, a capability to understand, interpret uh, language, so voice recognition to interpret and understand images, uh, both static and moving. So um, so we're talking about character recognition and, and progressively more into intelligent data processing, uh, interpreting videos, et cetera. So all of those elements. And then ultimately, the power of intelligent automation isn't any one of those discrete components. It's the collective. It's the um, combinatorial um, innovation that comes from putting some of those pieces together and the multivariate equation of using intelligent data processing and then, um, and then you know, chat and uh, then RPA and then some data mining and machine learning all informed by process discovery, et cetera. So it's just putting all those pieces together to, to solve a bigger end-to-end -end problem and to create more impact. Um, so that's that's really the intelligent angle um, of it is is it's the combination of those higher order algorithms and and math that make for better solutions. Um, so that's that and and so that's what the book covered. It was it was just helping to define what this means so enterprises can start to start to noodle on it and start to to take um, their first steps at exploring it and its potential for their enterprises. Uh, and then this course I've got going live uh, today. I don't know if the podcast goes live today as well, but so I mean Tuesday, May tenth um, is when it's going live. Is um, effectively just a, a a condensed version of the introduction to intelligent automation. It's a I think it's like a forty minute long course that just is sort of the best primer I could put together that that would enable you to raise the digital awareness of your enterprise throughout the organization. Doesn't matter who the person is. Maybe the IT team will find it a bit simple, um, but but everybody else will find it enlightening, hopefully, uh, and will get them on that train to be able to be uh, contributors and participants in this uh, digital transformation and continuous improvement using tools in the intelligent automation toolset. So that was that's the course, and hopefully it's helpful to to many many people. Thank you and. To explain what you said, if I understood it correctly, that people should think about intelligent automation not in a way where it's a step-by-step -step plan where you do step one, step two, step three to get to the result, but more as what's called in system thinking and emergent, where you have like pieces to the puzzle. When you put them together, you can see the picture. 
it's not like one, two, three, but it's the interconnection and the interrelationship between all the pieces that create something beautiful, alive, or something that is truly powerful. And thank you so much for this conversation. Of course, uh, on all these steps, Processio can help the listeners get there. And that's why I praise it so much because Processio is the modern low-code, no-code platform for advanced automation and creating an enterprise-grade backend for your software, as well as, you know, moving towards a more intelligent automation approach to your business. Any viewer or listener can request to get a free account at Processio.app to get a full one-hour execution time every month, which is equivalent to 100 human hours, which is a lot. That's truly leverage and expansion of your capabilities. And for those who love it, who want more, who need more, there is a very generous 50% discount code called, in one word, BETTER50OFF, capital letters, one word, that you can use at any time to upgrade and get 50% off more information in the description. Thank you, Ian. This was my privilege, my honor, such an enriching conversation that could go on for longer and much, much longer. And I thank you very much. Great, Aziz. No, I loved it and look forward to more conversations in the future. Thanks for what you do. I love the show. Mm -hmm.